0: what's up everybody welcome back to on the back burner podcast back like we never left season two today we're talking to Stephen Ornsby who has an incredible story that everybody should listen to uh this uh story also may trigger some you know some feels so if you uh if you feel like you need to uh, reach out to somebody after you hear this episode uh contact peer-to-peer Warmline at 855. 855- 4NM 7100. It's a great contact number. Um, so uh, if you need any help with that, go ahead and reach out to that line. Uh, DJ Mitch the Kid. Hey
1: guys, just a reminder I want you all to follow us right now, uh, Backburner PC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay, go, go check us out right now. Make sure you hit that follow, hit that subscribe button. This is On the Backburner With executive chefs Tristan Rogers and Dominic Valenzuela What's going on everybody? Welcome back to On the Backburner podcast This is Chef Dominic Valenzuela I'm alongside with Chef Tristan Rogers Oh, Chef Tristan Rogers And Stephen oh. Ormsby Hello, um, hello Yeah, noble uh, prime meats This guy's slanging them meats out in them streets <laughs> Steven, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ooh, well, I'm a
2: Leo. Uh, I got brown eyes. <laughs> <Ooh>. Oh, hey, <laughs> this ain't oh, a okay, dating website
1: now, but right. I'm sure Ooh. the ladies like when they hear that. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, my name is Steven Ormsby. Well, I just first want to say thank you all for having me. Absolutely, uh, it's an honor yeah. and pleasure to be here. Um, community, you know, I love what you guys are doing. Just creating dialogue. It's, it's what we need.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean. I don't know where do we go. <laughs> where do we start a little bit tell about us, me?
1: Tell us. <laughs> so I remember Stephen. Um, yeah, I started Dia De los Tacos food truck. I would pull out inside, uh, pull up in um, in front of Tractor uh, Brewing, uh, the tap room in front of um, on Central and uh, Tulane, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And then you. You were there, but you had a, a push cart there, pequeño.
2: Yeah, it was a, uh, a barbecue grill that I converted like a rickshaw, basically. Exactly, but it, I was park. like,
1: I was so impressed with it. And obviously being an entrepreneur slash hustler, whatever, just thinking of how I could make a dime and seeing you do that, you know, I was like, wow. You know, so I was really fascinated by your setup and not only that, but the drive to, to push that thing around. And, and like literally, exactly. You know, but that's. We all have a starting point, you know. Right. That and, was that was how I, like you say, afford
2: to make a dime. But you know, I had to get my palate and food out there some way. So I mean, absolutely, this is, I got to start somewhere, like you say. So it was just like, yeah, it's try the, something. You know, the health inspector showed up, scratching <laughs> her head, like, I don't know. <laughs> you just, you check all the boxes, but I guess you get.
1: <laughs> yeah, doesn't say anywhere in here that you need four walls. Right? No, nope. yeah. I mean.
2: That was I was kind of grandfathered in at that time. It was when the food truck scene was was starting to really pick up here. Absolutely, um, but then you know a bunch of idiots got people sick, so then they they just put a knock on that. Now you need everything, you know, three compartment sinks and four walls. Like oh, trust say, me, so. I
1: I know one hundred percent, and I, <laughs> you know, ain't gonna ain't gonna shy away from it. You know, I started preparing food out of my house, you know, and I was I was making food out of my house. I had a, a commercial fridge. Inside my house. You still have that commercial fridge inside yeah. your house. Yeah, I still have a commercial fridge inside my house. Just because of the comfort, I think, it gives you, you know. But um, yeah. that, you know, is it, I mean, you can ask a hundred hustlers, you know, of what they did to make it happen. You know, what you have to do to break through. You right. have to do something to break through. And that shows drive, you know, of just whatever. If I get caught, I get caught. But, right. I'm, you lit, I'm I have like we're pressure cookers. Right. We're releasing this passion, and that felt good, right? To get your food out. Oh yeah. You and know, can see up. the reaction of people. You know, I was so impressed by your food. You know,
2: it was fun, and you know, I think I might have been ahead of my time just with the, the menus and things. But yeah. it was cool. Um, you know, I was I I kind of lost heart with it just because my menus might have been a little too eclectic for this. You know, this was, what, 12 years ago or something mm-hmm. like right, that. Right. And, um, you know, I was just kind of conforming to what the crowd wanted. So at the end, I was virtually like a taco stand. And that's, you know, I didn't – that's not what my heart set out to do. So it's like, why am I stressing and, you know, pushing this thing around when it's not really right. doing what I want to do? So it's, you know. such,
1: it's such a huge part, man. I mean, trust me, part of what I'm trying to do is find that medium where I can make money and support myself – Support the lifestyle that I feel I I deserve, but then to to release passion right. out to people to to brighten you know to brighten people's spirits you know to be a special part of somebody's day that's what I ultimately want to do. But in this game that we're playing, we have to you know if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, right? Right. You know, and so that was one of the main concerns that I had about watching the the food card that you had in the beginning was like where's your where's your nut you know what do you
0: have to make every day
1: just yeah, to be okay
0: i'm a firm believer of stand your fucking ground like you know what i mean like do do what you want to do you know what i mean that makes you happy yeah, you know what i mean you it, know that can you pick on. your battles right you yeah. to pick your battles but i mean shit this, when i met when i met uh steven here like we did that dinner at at the uh
2: yeah, the dinner under the stars, the dinner and the under the stars, yeah. or
0: whatever. And uh, you know, it was his course was up, and you know, he's you know giving directions to people. I'm like, who is this dude? Like, giving direction to people. Like, you, I don't this dude, He's telling me to do all this shit. And <laughs> so then we started putting together his dish, and I was like, wow, like, wow, like this is very intricate. It is very eclectic. But not only that, it tasted good. And I was like, okay, this this dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like,
1: (laughs) all right, all right, let's let's go.
0: Like, you know what I mean? So funny, funny thing is, is tell us how you got into being a chef, because that's a great story.
2: I mean, there's not a time where I I can remember where I didn't want to be, you know, outside of the the childhood, oh, I want to be an astronaut, you know, and then after Mm -hmm. that... Realizations I know it was a chef that's that's all I wanted. You know, I remember uh, being in the kitchen with my mom as a kid and like just being so fascinated with like baking and stuff, and just seeing like you know, we would do these cinnamon rolls or whatever, Mm -hmm. and just seeing like the transformation in the oven. Like, I would sit in front of the oven with the light on and watch it bake, like just rise, and just like it was it was crazy to me (laughs) what is happening here. So, it was always. From that, you know, early on. And then um, in high school, we had a culinary arts program. It wasn't like home ec. So, like, I was taking home ec my first couple years of high school because that's the only way I could cook. What high school did you go uh, to? Taos High. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, late Benji Apodaca, rest in peace. Rest in peace, rest in peace. Rest in peace. He was... Instrumental in getting me to to where I am, you know. Like I say, it was culinary arts. He was the instructor at the UNM branch up there in Taos, and then he took over this program at the high school. It was a college-accredited course, so it was you know culinary one hundred and one.
1: Can I ask you what what did he do to 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 sink his claws into you to absorb? Uh, he
2: allowed me to really. Be myself, really. Um, we had some like cooking competitions here in uh, when it was TVI
1: at the time. That's how old mm. I am.
0: <laughs> totally we're right. all there. We're all there, brother. Really. We're all there
2: except and, for Mitch. <laughs>
0: except for Mitch.
1: And
2: <laughs> shout know, out Mitch,
1: Mitch the kid.
2: Like <laughs> I was in school where you know the jocks were wearing their Lettermans and their jerseys and stuff. I was walking around the halls with my chef coat and you know I had yeah. I had like my bamboo left handed spatulas and stuff in my back pocket and you right. know that was that's who I was in school like you know and that was through that program but just you know when he would give me the confidence to like lead these events that we would do we would do caterings and things to raise money for the for the program you know we needed equipment and food and whatever so mm-hmm. we had to do a lot of fundraisers for that and so we would sell tickets and do luncheons or you know whatever um, but I was mostly the the guy who was in charge like I was Pretty much chef of the class, mm-hmm. and that was that was pretty awesome um, but it was just you know, I went to a culinary school in Scottsdale, and it 's like we were learning more in high school, you know, by this guy. Really? Yeah, you know, he was just drilling us. You know, he would walk around the classroom as we're, like, chopping vegetables. What is a stock? And we just, chef, you know, liquid-derived, bone, miripah, and spices. Yeah. <laughs> and right. What is miripah? Well, 50% onion, 25 carat, 25. <laughs> you know, we would just, like, it was, like, you know, drill like camp. camp. Yeah, yeah, boot camp. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It was, yeah, it was fun. And that was, honestly, the only thing that kept me in school because I was, I was bored. I was getting in into trouble and things like that, partying, whatever. And it was the culinary arts program that, like,
1: kept me in line. One thing I've noticed a similarity with is always, like, military and culinary. Yeah. You know, like, when I did... When I was in culinary school... Um, they would line us up every day, mm-hmm. make sure we were pressed, make sure we had the tea on the back of our chef coat, make sure we were clean, make sure everything was pressed. You yep, know?
0: they would put, made us put our hands up. They exactly, would check make our nails. sure our nails were cut. Yep.
1: You know, all these different things, you know, like what do you feel about that That importance in your life of discipline, like of discipline of any sort, you know, how important is that? It kind of dictates my flow of my day you know
2: it's i i take a lot of things from work because you know i have my struggles or whatever but then it's like i I, if i relate back to work like for whatever reason i can put the uniform on and perform Mm -hmm. so when i realize like okay i'm doing these things so now i can apply it to to life you know so I mean, multitasking, it's just, I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm virtually doing a prep list, <laughs> I guess, Absolutely, you know, and right. just like steps, you know, in the kitchen, you, you count your steps, like you want to make sure, like, if you go to that walk-in, you're getting everything you need, so you're not going back, right. so it's like, you know, my day us. of which part of town am I going to, <laughs> just little things like that, so like, I need to go the furthest away and then. Work my way back.
1: You know, just, Absolutely, just stupid little things like that. But it's, yeah, not stupid at all. But it's it's definitely a key part of life. It's one of the parts of life that I have so much appreciation for that that was introduced to me. You know, and I mean, um, I grew up with my father intact, and you know, but there are so many uh, cooks, chefs, uh, servers, anybody in this industry. You know, this this kind of is the industry that accepts all, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have come across people that don't have what I grew up with, you know. Right. And so there's been a, a learning curve for me, you know, to to try to understand why this person isn't performing when I'm being kind to them, I'm being nice to them. And sometimes I have to turn it up a notch and be that that drill sergeant, be that person that says, Hey. What is this? Keep reminding them daily, daily, and, and just watch the progress of what they – you know, of how they continue to show up and how they continue to perform, and that's a key element of what they've been missing. Not everybody. Don't right. get me wrong. Not everybody. Well, you know, firm but, and fair. Exactly. You know, don't have to be an asshole. But you have to – Dom likes being an asshole, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, I do, man. See, I do. I told you, bro. I do. <laughs> I do sometimes. But it, that's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, you you have to lead. I yeah.
0: mean, There's necessary evils to, this, you know, to right. this industry. I mean, you have to lead. You have to lead. So <laughs> let me ask you this. You didn't start off as a chef. I mean, like, in, in your career, early in your career.
2: No. Um, well, I mean, like in high school, I was working at some really good restaurants right. up in Taos. And, you know, actually, that was a funny story. I worked at uh, Via Fontana up there. and you What know, type of restaurant was that? Uh, Italian. Old mm-hmm. world Italian. Mm-hmm. Like I had to learn broken Italian to like work with this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it, it was his house. He lived upstairs, him and his wife. And there were like 12 seats uh, down you know downstairs that was a dining room you know if we served 20 people a night that was like insane it was just wow. chef and i and i didn't see him till like the first order came in like i had really? to do all the prep dishwasher everything like i i had to start in a white t-shirt and earn a chef coat wow <laughs> yeah. wow and uh we were doing this uh party of 70 one afternoon it was uh a I I forget how many courses it was, like eight courses for the uh mushroom picking society up there in Taos. He's he's part of that. And we did a, a whole wild mushroom dinner from the, the mushrooms that they had picked. And that's where I was presented to the crowd with my chef coat, like as like I earned it that day. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a pretty cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Um and then I worked for uh, Chef Joseph Reed, who's has his uh pub up in Santa Fe. Um but he had his restaurant in Taos and that's where I had worked as well uh before my last summer before going to uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale. Um, that's where I started, you know, working in dining rooms at that point. Uh, I wanted to learn both sides of the restaurant. Like, I worked with these brilliant chefs that couldn't set foot in a dining room, you know, for mm-hmm. the life of them. So I, I wanted to 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 learn those skills and to be able to talk to people, <laughs> and, you know, interpersonal, things like that. And um, there was also a documentary that I watched, and I just fell in love with, like, the theater of dining, just watching the maitre d', you know, translating mm-hmm. the flow, and, you know, everybody has their part, even, you know, when the guests don't do it right, like, it throws a kink in that, so mm-hmm. it's like, everybody has to do a role for this thing to be perfect, and, Absolutely. and when it is, it, it's beautiful, and Absolutely. I just, I fell in love with the dining room, and I worked for a company out there, Fox Restaurant Concepts, for, I believe, five years, and it was, it was, it was a fun experience. You know, I, I worked my way up to management with them. You know, I started as a busser just cause I, I had no experience. And you know, that's where I grew up really in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, the training, they, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, you know, they mm-hmm. drilled it into <laughs> me because it worked so well. And that's, I haven't gone back from that training since then, you know, every time right. I've trained or You know, worked at a restaurant here in Albuquerque. They give me the manual, but I just throw it out the window. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use my skills that I know work. Right. And so, yeah, that was – it was fun, but I was just kind of getting over the city. It wasn't like the job or anything like that. I was just kind of done with Phoenix and Scottsdale. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up in New Mexico, it's just – all culture and substance, then out there. It
0: seems to pull you back. It's like the Mexican culture, the beauty of 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 this great state. You know, people who are listening that aren't from here. It's just there's something about it that just The sky. Yeah, you know the sky. The sky. The I the came culture, to visit my brother
2: for a weekend. Uh, went back and I was just like. Why don't I go to Albuquerque? Yeah. <laughs> so right. Put in my notice and yeah, left. <laughs> nice. Came back here and I uh, started working at Scallo. That was my first job. And I was doing that while I was building the little food cart.
1: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Well, that's, you know, you come to a, a, an important part, you know, is these crossroads that we come to life, you know, but that we come to in life and how just staying connected with what drives you the restaurant, you yeah. know, and how important that is. And how important all these little windows are, you know, we, you know, I said in the beginning, you're part of no bull uh, prime meats. You, you sell, you know, prime cuts of of meats to restaurants and and to people. That is a different view than being a chef and being behind, you know, but your, your heart's still attached to food. Yeah. Absolutely. That, 100%. That's where it
2: was was food, you know. And but, that, but that was the drive. The, you know,
1: everything worked around that. Absolutely. The chaos and everything that the restaurant brings, though, you know, like I know what it's like to go in, <coughs> the only person there, and to have to dishwash, to have to prep the whole line. Then the chef comes down and eight o'clock he's done. Restaurant doesn't close till 9, you finish up the last orders, then you clean the entire restaurant, then you go home. You know, maybe 11, maybe 12, whatever it may be. Come back, 1 o'clock, whatever it may be the next day. Do it all over again, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, those type of hours, what it does to your body, what it does to your mental, you know? If you are able to, to differentiate, like, to separate the two, And like to understand what this is, it's almost like a, like not an assigned boot camp, you know. Like you signed up for this. Like you, I mean, most people that actually go to boot camp, they probably (laughs) sign up for it. But what I'm saying is like, this is going to get you further, you know. Um, In understanding those things, because you have to know every part of the restaurant in order to tell people how to do their job, right? Right. right? And ultimately, how to sit back. And one day, just look at what you what you created, right. and see the machine just working, and, and just That's true. You know, like it is so important to appreciate and to focus on all these little parts because one day you're gonna teach somebody how to do it to your standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so you have to go through it first in order to be, you know, be the one who sits up top and looks down at people or whatever, and they learn that lesson and watch as they grow as as humans too you know so so i know
0: um you you know going through these growing pains that you've been going through um you know on your journey you know i want to talk to you because me and you have kind of like a a a dialogue that we've had for the past uh, you know almost year now i want to say yeah uh where we've talked about mental health and everything like that and that's something that you know what I mean? I want I really want you to dive into because we, you know, me and Dom do Spearhead um Project Meets and Plows, which is very important to us, which is a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. that goes into you know, the the awareness of mental health in the in the industry. Um I really want people to hear your story. Um, you know, they got a glimpse of it when me and you spoke live on Facebook. Yeah. You know, a year ago. And but that was so you know, much has changed.
2: Yeah. And I was reaching out of desperation at that point. You know, I didn't have any, I was seeking treatment and right. I just reached out to you because I saw like a post on Facebook. I was just, I need to talk to somebody <laughs> right, right now. And yeah, so it's been quite the experience since then. Um, that was really kind of the start of things for me at that point. But You know, how it all got to here when you're talking about the industry, the the stress, the the mental, the physical, you know, coping mechanisms. I didn't know what those were. (laughs) Mine was drugs and alcohol, you know, adrenaline, just keep going, Mm -hmm. Um, not realizing just what I was doing to myself and neglecting and and those things because, you know, I never had health insurance through any Mm -hmm. restaurant job I ever worked for. So I didn't know any, I was so ignorant to anything medically you know it's nobody offered to say hey why don't you go get help it's like hey well, let's go do some shots <laughs> that's that was acceptable Race,
1: erase so, race.
2: yeah so that was just you know feeding into it and then um, when I started my own business like I was my own boss so there was nobody to to keep me from doing these things so I was you know I was I got out of control uh, mm-hmm. with my my alcoholism, and you know the business didn't fail. Virtually, I failed the business. Um, it was through that, but you know I, I broke my femur through a drunken accident, um, and that was that was a turning point for me. I was in the emergency room. I can I can recall it. You know, the whole night was was patchy. I was blacked out, but I was in the emergency room and said, "Okay, this is real." Like you know, I'm sitting there. <laughs> like lights. it was, the lights you know I'm barely coming to from this blackout and in your my face. leg's broken I'm you know in a neck brace, whatever, and it's okay, changes need to be made, and I stopped that moment. I haven't had a drink since that day, and that was you know September of two thousand and nineteen wow. congratulations well, thank yeah, congratulations. you I mean, I tell people I wish I could have taken more credit, but you know my leg was detached, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know there was something there, but you know the universe was okay, you're gonna stop now. And so I listened, but it took me you know, years. Um, but that just kind of started, you know, the alcoholism kind of revealed, you know, peeled the, the layers back. That was really a symptom of some things that was happening. It wasn't, right. we thought, you know, myself, my family, everybody was just, you know, get sober, life is going to change. Um, that wasn't the case. You know, I was drinking for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
2: just a vicious cycle. It wasn't like alcohol was causing these problems. It was... Trauma. You know, yeah, trauma. And so I was in the psychiatric treatment after I broke my leg and they had diagnosed me at that point um, like bipolar, I think, and which was wrong. <laughs> you know, so So I was well, I don't know if it was bipolar at that point. It might've just been like a depressive episode or all these different words, but it w- wasn't the right diagnosis. Um, I had been misdiagnosed maybe four times, I think Jesus and, and medicated. So, um, I wasn't getting the results I was expecting or whatever. So I just kind of veered off from this and, you know, COVID hit all this other stuff. So I was just trying to survive, like my recovery from my leg went into COVID. So I wasn't working for like a year. And so I wasn't like going through treatment either. It was just, I was just trying to live, you mm-hmm. know, get from one day to the next. So um, I got the job here in Albuquerque at uh, Var Winery. I, I accepted an executive chef position. And, you know, while I got the job, so I got into a relationship pretty immediately uh, when I got here as well. And just kind of riding the high horse, you know, okay, life's back. I got my life back. I got the job. I got the girl. Things are going, you know, got my own place again. Um, But I was looking for outside validation. You know, (laughs) I I didn't, again, I didn't understand what was happening, but being in a a leadership position and being in a relationship, I I couldn't hide anywhere. So these things came to the surface again. I got exposed and, you know, started to notice these repetitive cycles from my past and it's like, okay, there's something seriously wrong here. But I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, cause like my diagnosis wasn't adding up to like my actions and feelings and things like that. So when I'm hearing something and it didn't line up, it's just like, well, I'm just a lost cause. That's in my head. That's what I believe that mm-hmm. I was just helpless,
0: hopeless, that's what, which was what happens when you don't get the help you need. Right. You just think that you're just out there alone.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking for treatment. I think I started December of 2020. I didn't get into a clinic until like April or May. Wow. Jeez. So it was just, you know, chaos in that time. And I had stepped down from my position at work, broke up with the girl. You know, I just I couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I got into an intake interview for a therapist. And we go through this everything, and then she goes, Okay, I'm I'm gonna diagnose you borderline personality disorder. And I'd never heard that before. I didn't know what the heck that meant. You know, so
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh it was shocking. Um just you know, being ignorant to it, I, I understood it was a pretty serious diagnosis. Um there's a lot of stigma behind it. And there's not a lot of education or treatment for it either. So that's you a know, big reason why I one wasn't diagnosed because a lot of doctors don't want to commit to that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I just didn't know what the heck was going on. Right. So when they told me that, that that's what I was, then they entered me in a, a intensive outpatient program. So I didn't even get a therapist at that point. It was, I got thrown into this program. So I'm, Given this diagnosis, that I don't know anything about. And then I show up to this online program. I I check in, whatever, and the class is going. And they're on, like, module 11 or something because this program is, like, um, progressive. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that either. So <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, there's people that are on day 60 or day 12. I'm day one. It's like, what is going on here? So I was kind of freaking out. Um, you know, I almost quit treatment and things like that too, because it was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, this is a mess. It's and overwhelming. Yeah, so I had to talk to the the therapist that was leading the class, and so we had a good talk, and she kind of you know calmed me down, gave me some information. And um, but this class was very vague. It was a group thing, so we couldn't get into like specific details. They didn't want us to, like trigger any of mm-hmm. the other right. the, the right. class members. So I was having to do like a lot of research on my own while I was, like, in this class and just, like, you know, lining it up to, okay, we we learned this lesson and then just...
0: That kind of helps out, though, like, in its own little way, though, right? I mean, having to do research by yourself. Yes. You're not triggering anybody else. You're learning more about yourself because you actually have to go in and, like, you know what I mean, do the research. I mean, that's a pretty good idea.
2: Well, as we were speaking earlier, you know, just going through that, like, I was, I didn't know... That it was going to help me at that point. Like, I was overwhelmed. I was frustrated. Like I said, I almost gave up on this stuff. And, you know, I went through with it, whatever. But, um, you know, I didn't have the therapist to ask questions on this either. So (laughs) just trying to to learn this on my own. But I I finished this program. And, you know, I don't know how much I, I learned from the program itself. But I liked the structure of it and just being engulfed in that subject matter and just, you know, the discipline of of having this in my life, but I don't know how much I was paying attention to be quite honest. you know, Some days I'd turn my my camera off and play with the dogs or watch TV or something, and I was just doing it to do it. I mean, I'll tell you in the beginning, I didn't set out to really help myself. It was me being tired of hurting other people. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite serious at that time. Um, Later on, after I finished that program, it was like July. And I was, um, I think August, it was, I had a psychiatric emergency. I ended up in the emergency room uh, with self-harm ideation at that point. Um, In that experience, they were asking me like, what medication are you taking? What was your diagnosis? And they're like, well, why are you taking that medication? Like, that's not for for this time. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't know, because they told me to, you know? And when I say, you know, I was, about to give up and things like that, it was, I was looking for the magic pill. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, you guys fix me. I I, I don't know what's going on. I can't do this. I need you to do this. And when I left that emergency room, it was like, these people aren't going to do shit for me. Like, you know, all these things, if I'm going to change, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to my binder that I got in this program. And, you know, I say that's where... That's where those things came back. You know, it was later on where I say I was, you know, about to give up this program, but then later on it was allowing me to, you know, even what do I put in the Google search bar? Where do you start? Mm-hmm. So it was like I had these terms, this knowledge, these skills, or even just to hear something on like YouTube, oh, I know what that means. You know, so that's that's where things really started to click for me when I started to really do the work. But it was all those experiences. Getting me to that point,
0: right? So you, you know, you're at the point now. You start to learn, take it serious. There's been a change already in you, like since the last change. time. Uh, huh? Huge,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. huge change. Like, I mean, not not visibly to me. I've always looked at you as, as yeah, Steven and, and, and know know what you're capable of, <laughs> we all and, and, masks, and respected you metaphorically speaking. But yes, the, that's mask, from the mask, you know, the that that side of things, you know, like just the story that you're telling I was trying I know. to be chef I wasn't being Steven exactly you
0: know and that's a good point like that's a good point like we and that's what we always talk about in Project Music Plus it's like you were told to leave check your feelings at the door yeah like check them at the door like we ain't got time for this shit but it's like you don't really realize how much you carry that shit like you carry it everywhere Right. You can just leave it somewhere. It fucking rides your back like fucking you know what I mean, like a backpack.
2: Yeah, and that's where
0: you start drinking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You start drinking, you start doing drugs, you start doing all this stuff. It's so, so easily accessible vicious, in this industry. Vicious, vicious cycle. But you it know, is. that was
2: August. Um my inner dialogue everything totally flipped one eighty from this yeah. you know, the work that I've been
0: doing. Like you can tell, man. You 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 look great. <laughs> Thank you. You sound great. Like, that's why I I wanted people to hear your story. Yeah,
2: I mean, like I said, I was in the emergency room in August. Jesus. You know, that was just a few months ago. And thinking I was, you know, I wanted to to doff myself, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest. And since then, I haven't had those thoughts. And that's the first time. This is the longest I've gone, like, my entire life without, you know, any self-harm thoughts or even just... You know, I say, I don't have to be on the mountaintop shouting like, oh, you know, I'd love... I'm not right. a guru or, you know, whatever. The fact that I don't hate myself or want to die is like,
1: you know, I can't even quantify That's a that. That's success. Yeah. Right. That's what everybody out there should should really grasp onto is like just the fact that one day, that just those days that you really love yourself. Yeah. That you look in the mirror, you're really happy with what you look, yeah. you're looking back at. Those days you need to appreciate. Those, we don't yeah, appreciate.
2: Yeah, we don't appreciate it enough. But you know, it was getting that right diagnosis because when I was doing the research, it, it clicked. It's like wow, I was reading a chapter out of my life, and you know, if I could have done the work, all the work I could have wanted to do, but if it was in the wrong place, it wasn't going to do anything. Absolutely. So getting the right diagnosis and being led on the right path. I mean, that's, knowing
1: knowing when you need help, knows. which yeah, is better. not. A trait that chefs know how to right. do. Like, do we like do we said, know how to ask? An emergency
0: room like, when know. do we ask for help? <laughs> yeah.
1: When do chefs ask for help? Uh, when it's too late.
0: Uh, yeah, well, it's too late. Or you know, when, when the it's chef the is right screaming, <laughs> <When> it's <laughs> the right time. Yeah, what are yeah. you doing?
1: <laughs> like, that's well, when you know the chef needs help, and you should be over there. Well, but
0: you know, I'm gonna like gonna switch the moods up a little bit. Whoa, well, okay. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Wonderful white, story. Wonderful story, Stephen Nornsby. You're, a, I mean, you're you're an inspiration, man. Like seriously, but inspiration or not, we gotta put you through the uh. the back burner, through the back burner, the back burner. The back burner is when we ask rapid fire questions. Ooh. All right, it may have to deal with culinary, it may not, but we put forty five seconds on. I the clock. believe
1: we put sixty, don't we now? Is it sixty now? <laughs> We put 60 seconds now. We put bro. 60
0: seconds now. Come on. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. You're going to answer as many questions as you can. Okay. Rapid fire. Does, uh, Steve Harvey. I'm going to go first. Go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. You ready? 60 seconds
1: on the clock to kid. Go. Favorite TGIF show? Family Matters. Mm. See? <laughs> <laughs> Favorite Monopoly piece? a uh, shoe favorite burkeño phrase
0: e <laughs> cheese on fish yes nice
1: three things cheese and salmon yes <laughs> three things that take with you on a deserted island my dog a knife
0: and uh lighter nice Katy perry or Taylor Swift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite quote.
2: Ooh, I don't know about that one.
1: Oh. Yeah. All right. Tupac
0: and Biggie. Uh, Biggie. Nice. Arnold or Stallone. Arnold. Right. Right. Ah. That was good. That was good. Good job, man. I good job. I have been waiting actually to for like. This hiatus that we had before, you know, we hit season two, is that, yes, fish and cheese. Goat cheese with salmon. Yeah. I did that for a party. Cream cheese. I Cream did that for a party. Cream cheese salmon. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, you do it. That go together all the time. Grot That's yeah. what I'm
2: saying. Beet salad, goat cheese. Right. Seared salmon. Mm. Yeah. I was- Fish filet, fish. Bro. That's my shit. Shellfish, I mean, I guess, is a, I mean, pasta, cream sauces. Right? Yeah. With Parmesan. Ar- ar-
0: I mean, ar- I love
1: a shrimp quesadilla. When I'm hungover, shrimp quesadilla is what fish I I go
0: to. With cheddar on it and some fucking tartar sauce. I'm sorry. Still my shit.
2: <laughs> guilty pleasure.
0: This yeah, man. What is, what is
1: like, some of what your, is your guilty pressures? Guilty pleasures, yeah.
2: Uh, honestly, Panda Express is probably one. <laughs> Just because I, I, mean, I see them making the food.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. it's it's real. At least I can see that. <laughs> what see it, what are some of your go tos though? Like Chinese cuisine, so so like what are some of your, uh, I your mean, go-tos?
2: No, like go-to's outside of that. I mean I I could eat tacos every day. <laughs> but but like at Panda
1: yeah. Express, what do uh, you order?
2: Um three combo? You get the no, three? Just the the, two. I'll okay. get like broccoli beef and the almond chicken or something. Or rice or noodle. If I you know, if I'm feeling fancy, I'll do you the noodle, steak. Bro. You know noodle. you going noodle or you going rice? <laughs> you fried rice. rice. Yeah, Ooh, going fried going rice.
1: He's going fried rice, man. I always go noodle. Yeah, man. You gotta love those noodles though. I love I love the noodles. <clears throat>
0: Steven, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Wonderful hearing your story. I think, like I said, I want (coughs) to, excuse me, guys, I have a, I'm a little under the weather. Well, I was under the weather, but now I'm getting back.
1: Um, Everybody get tested after this. Even if you're listening, get tested. Shut the fuck
0: up, all right? I'm at the tail end of it, all right? You want to be quarantined, you asshole. Great. You should test this microphone though. He might be. Um, thank you so much, shit. man, for everything. Um your story has always been an inspiration. And even like when we spoke, like, you know what I mean, like last year. And every time we talk, man, it's always something, you know what I mean, inspirational that always you always have to say. So I'm excited
1: yeah. that it's still, not I mean? over yet. Yeah. And that there is still so much more to come. Yeah, you know? I mean it's just started. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. This
2: you know? is, you know. Thirty-four years old now, um, just coming into this for the first year well, of my life. So you it's were like gonna, uh, you making were gonna it up for lost <laughs> You were going
0: to change lives, though. That's what I mean. Like you're going to change lives.
2: Yeah, you know, my goal is to prevent people from reaching my point. You know, if they could hear this and. Realize that it's okay to, to get help, you know, that these things are available, they're resources. Because I didn't know that these, you know, I, I, I did time in the damn psychiatric ward. Like, right. I didn't, I thought you had to be, you know, off your rocker, like oh. literally to, I didn't know that that was a resource available, you know, these things. Because a lot of it's stigmatized or just,
1: yeah, people don't know. We don't know what everybody else in the world goes through day to day. Yeah. Just like they don't know what we go through every exactly. day. Exactly. So, there needs to be that appreciation of and what?
0: conversation.
1: Yeah. And conversation I mean, of the strain that we put ourselves. The other thing I'll and- say is like these uh, warm lines.
2: So they have like the crisis line and you know, that's when you call when you're in crisis, they're mm-hmm. going to call like the ambulance, whatever. But if you right. just want to talk without the fear of getting, you know, the cops knocking at your door, there are those peer lines, right. you know, those are a good resource. I've used them at times, you know, if I'm on the that's road awesome. driving or something, I'll give the, the, the warm line a call and, you know, so there are things. There are people like you know. Say, oh, I don't have anybody in my life. Like, at yeah. This
1: yeah. at the end of this episode, we're gonna we're gonna uh, attach those links. Yeah, sure. So just stay tuned to that.
0: Um, but Stephen, thank you, man. Thank no, you thank again. You. Thanks for being on the show. It means a lot. Um, really means a lot having you. Uh,
1: Hold on. What? what? What dish have you not served anybody that you can't wait? That you can't wait to serve somebody. I know you got
0: it. Steven. You posted the other day, which one was it? Uh, Something on polenta? The, no, it was, yeah, it was on polenta. It was, was it the pork shoulder? Oh, uh,
2: yeah, just a braised pork. Oh, polenta. Yeah, that looks it's, so good. I call it a warm hug in a bowl. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Warm hug so in a good. bowl.
2: <laughs> Who <laughs> doesn't <laughs> want <laughs> that? Near the, I've The dishes that I'm thinking about aren't complete, actually. It's just those things that are, like, in my phone where I just think of an idea. And so, like, I have, like, four things that are, like, are still in process. Like I'll see something or like my favorite thing is like stump Google. When you Mm -hmm. Google like a recipe or something, it's not on there. It's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody (laughs) thought of this one. (laughs) Claimed it. Going to put my flag there.
1: You know, Steven, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're, I mean, just, I love your mind. I love you as a person. And I'm so grateful for you to, to open up, tell us your story and to be vulnerable you know, yeah. which it's a lot of us chefs are not be. willing to do, you know, but I invite yeah. a lot more chefs to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. open up, talk about what's I mean, going on.
2: I mean, that's what really created our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When I share my story, you know, it kind of throws people back a little bit, right. like initially, but then they realize like, oh, this guy's sharing some shit. Like, right. I, it must be like I've, they feel more comfortable to share their story with me. And you know acquaintances, colleagues, things like that. Like now we're, we've developed this relationship through this. So right. It's,
1: yeah, it's working. Oh, I can't wait to hug you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all out there, Tristan Rogers, Chef Dominic Valenzuela, Stephen Ormsby. Thank,
0: thank you, you so much, man. Thank Alex,
1: you. Mitch the kid, Ruth, and Scout.
0: And Scout, the mascot here. dog. <laughs> we love y'all. Thank y'all
1: very much for listening to another episode of On the Backburner podcast. We out. DJ Mitch
0: the kid. Get us out of here, bro. Follow us at Backburner PC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Recorded and produced in Albuquerque, New Mexico. On the Backburner is hosted by Tristan Rogers of Hollow Spirits Distillery and Dominic Valenzuela of Taco 10. Produced by Three Birds Digital LLC. Directed by Volk Media and Marketing. Audio engineered and edited by Mitch Pavalco. Podcast intro recorded and produced by Randy Savage. Find him at savagevo.com. Original music by Rocky Rhodes. Check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash K-R-Z-M-A. I'm, I'm feeling myself, I'm feeling you too. Yo. Yo. yeah Yes. What up, queen? What it do? Yeah. It's been a minute since I seen you I wonder what you been doing Yeah, you probably doing what a queen do Fanny Hollers and Balenciagas when it come to you Cupid hit your boy with a semi-auto You went from baby, to baby mama Yeah, don't be afraid to tell me what's the matter huh. I pull up in a grammiata I'm just a good fella like Ray Liotta And you know you got that good love you know your boy trying to pull up Cause you know I'm about that real hip hop girl And I've been going through a lot girl My heart pump blood but it's caged up And you know you got the keys to the lock, girl